Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Because John knew very well that he wasn't perfect, but he knew that there was one. There's only one who is perfect. Only Jesus Christ is perfect. There's no one else on the earth. No one from Hollywood is perfect. No one from Washington is perfect. There's no one perfect. And that's kind of discouraging, isn't it? And that's why John would say, my little children, in chapter 2 there, my little children. How can I keep from Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Today, the Apostle John has introduced the idea of walking in the light and being cleansed from sin. But he did not, for a moment, believe that a Christian can become sinlessly perfect. To think this of ourselves is to deceive ourselves. And to say this of ourselves is to lie because the truth is not in us. Charles H. Spurgeon, known as the Prince of Preachers, once said, Our deceitful heart reveals an almost satanic shrewdness in self-deception. If you say you have no sin, you have achieved a fearful success. You have put out your own eyes and perverted your own reason. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's lesson. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to 1 John. We've been in this chapter for, uh, you know, this will be our third week in chapter 1. We're going to get into just a couple verses of chapter 2. There's a lot to this chapter. There's a lot to these epistles, especially the epistle of John. And remember, John wrote this in 90 AD. He was an old man, probably wrote it when he was in Ephesus, where he spent his final days. And again, a very old man, a very old man. And he's, he's writing this letter to the churches in Asia Minor that Paul had visited earlier. Because John was one of the last final apostles that it was living. Paul had already been beheaded by Nero. And now John, one of, the, one of the last, is writing this letter to all those churches in Asia Minor, the, 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 the Ephesians, the, uh, the Thessalonians, the Galatians, many, and writing to them. And let's read through just... All of chapter 1 and the first two verses of chapter 2. Let's read it. It says, That which we was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen, and we bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, why? That you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father 
and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. So this is the message which we have heard from him. Notice, this is the message John is saying that we have heard from Jesus. And we declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, notice, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the whole world. Isn't that encouraging? I don't know about you, but there's very few messages that are as encouraging as John's message because he includes himself. If you notice the pronouns in that, if we, if we say that we have not sinned, if we say that we are without sin, John includes himself in it, this great, wonderful statesman of the, of the faith, the apostle John. He includes himself. He's not so high and mighty and so separate from sinners. No, he includes himself right in the phrase, as I'm just one of you. The Apostle of Love, the Apostle John, I am one of you. Because John knew very well that he wasn't perfect, but he knew that there was one. There's only one who is perfect. Only Jesus Christ is perfect. There's no one else on the earth. No one from Hollywood is perfect. No one from Washington is perfect. There's no one perfect. And that's kind of discouraging, isn't it? And that's why John would say, my little children, in chapter 2 there, my little children... This old man speaking to his disciples under him, those his, his apprentices, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. In case you're being really discouraged, he says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Aren't you glad you have an advocate? An attorney who is without spot, without blemish, who's already gone before you into the heavens, paying the price for your sin. Let's go back to verse 5. We've already looked at the first four verses. But in verse 5 it says, This is the message which we had heard from him. Notice, John, we've heard from him, Jesus. We've heard from him. And this is what we declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The word light there in the original language is phos or phos, which is where we get our word photo or where you might get the word phosphorus from. It's light in every meaning of the word. Not only spiritual light, not only moral light, but physical light as well. It includes all of those things. It's a big umbrella. It means light in every possible manner of it. And see, God is that in every sense of the word. He illuminates. When he shows up, there is illumination in the heart and the minds of people. He is pure. 
He is without sin. He is holy in thought and, and in deed. Are you, have you been holy in thought and in deed the last few days? Even this morning, have you been completely holy in thought and in deed? I, I'll confess to you that I have not. I would love to say that my thoughts and my deeds are always you know, holy and without blemish. No, I'm very much aware of my need for Christ. I'm very much aware of my shortcomings, of my sin. And perhaps you feel the same way this morning. But John writes this letter, and what we're going to read today is not to discourage you. He wants you to walk in the light. God wants you to walk in the light. Walk in this light of his. And we're going to talk more about that. If you remember in Genesis chapter 1, a really interesting thing happened in the creation account. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, it says, After God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and immediately God breaks in and he says, But God said, Let there be light. Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the first day. It was a 24-hour period, folks. In the original language, it means 24 hours. Yom. It always means 24-hour period. So anyone who says that, oh, the, one, the first day of creation took millions of years and somehow we can embed evolution into the creation process, nonsense. He spoke, it happened. There was no evolving of anything. Everything you've learned from school is not right. <laughs> the Bible is true, and let every man be a liar. Let God be true, and every man a liar. Now, obviously, this was interesting, because whatever form this light was, was not the light in the sense that we know it, because the sun and the moon, the illuminaries, the stars, all of that were not created until day four of creation. Day one, he creates light. So what is this light? Well, let me just give you a suggestion. There's a lot to this, folks. I'll be honest with you. I don't claim to have a handle on all of it. But could this be an unveiling or the awareness of moral light, which emanates from God, and, and certainly the difference between it and the amoral darkness that was upon the face of the deep? Could it be the very light of God, the very light of Christ that may not be seen? When we look at light, this is what I think of when I see light. That's something physical that we can see. Even though we don't understand it, there's, there's something coming down from these lights. And I, I can't see it, and yet it happens. But there's something about God. He is light. And, he, and it was on the first day. He had, he's always been, but he somehow, I, I believe he, he made it obvious. He, he made it known to man. He, made, he brought it into a sphere where we could understand, perhaps. And I believe this because in John chapter 11, Jesus said to his disciples, Are there not twelve hours in the day? And if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Jesus, speaking of himself. But if one walks in the night, and we're talking about morals here, aren't we? It's not about physical light and day and darkness and night. He's speaking about something different, something that we can't see with our eyes, but we can see by actions. He says, but if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So we know in context that this is not speaking of a physical light, a physical darkness. This is a spiritual thing that nobody can see with their naked eyes. Paul picked up on this too in 1 Thessalonians 5. He said, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the light nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 
For those who sleep, they sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of hope of salvation. So, what happened on this first day when it says, let there be light? I think there was more to it than just the light that we see. Because again, the moon and the sun and the stars, that hadn't even been created yet. Three more days, it wouldn't be before they were created. But Jesus is the light. In John 8, you remember when the woman was caught into adultery. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they brought her to him and said, this woman was caught in the, the very act of adultery. And you remember what Jesus did. He began writing on the ground. And finally he looks at the woman and he says, woman, where? And then he, he, he tells them, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. You guys want blood? Then you cast the first stone. And then he started writing on the ground, and perhaps he was writing in the sand, in the dirt, the sins of every one of these men, or began to write them out. And as they began to see, they're like, mm, don't think I'm going to do that because I'm with sin myself, and I deserve that rock as well. And then finally looks at the woman and he says, woman, where are your accusers? She said, no, there are none, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. But he said, go and sin no more. There's the promise. Go, and there's the marching orders. I forgive you, but go and sin no more. And this is what he said after that. After that, he spoke to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he said to them, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light of life. So Jesus is the light in the book of Revelation, one of my favorite passages, if you're really down and, and feeling discouraged, I would encourage you to read Revelation chapter 21 because it speaks of the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem that will descend down from heaven after, after this current heavens, after this current earth have all been dissolved with fervent heat. God creates a new heaven and a new earth. And guess what? There's no more sun. There's no more moon. It says in Revelation 21, it says, The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it. Speaking of the new Jerusalem, For the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. Jesus is the light in more, in more ways than one. He is the light. This very apostle John who wrote this letter, remember in his gospel, in the very chapter when he was speaking with Nicodemus, he said the verses that we all know and love so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Isn't that encouraging? Most people think, well, God just hates me because I'm a sinner. No, God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave a gift. A gift is not something you get because you earn it. A gift is given because it is grace. Have you ever gotten a gift from somebody and said, well, I deserve that? No, most of the time you're like, especially if it's a really great gift, you're like, I did not deserve that. And I am so blessed. And the person who gives it to you is so blessed because they see the look on your face. And you receive that gift. And what a blessing that is. Everybody wins. But notice what Jesus said, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you. Rather, he came that you would live, but that the world through him might be saved. 
And he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And here it is. And this is condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their what? Their deeds were evil. There's something about the sin nature. When we are confronted, we like to hide. And light, the very light of the gospel, exposes that darkness. I don't know, anybody, anybody been in Florida and lived in Florida for any length of time? You can have the nicest house, you can have the most fancy house, and you'll get these little palmetto bugs. They're everywhere, in king's houses, in the governor's palace. Little palmetto bugs, I can't stand these little things. They're a form of cockroach. I'm so glad because, I mean, I think the, the, the Florida State bird should be the palmetto bug because they can get really big and they have wings. Thank you, Jesus, that they don't have teeth and are venomous because people would be moving out of Florida. All the people who move from up here down there will be coming back again. <laughs> I'll take the snow and the ice. Just get me away from those creatures. Right? But I bring that up for this because you shine the light and, and if you turn the lights off in the middle of the night, you get up and you turn a light on. You can be in your kitchen. You might see one. The light. Even the cockroach knows when it's exposed and it it flees. It tries to hide. Because its deeds are evil. (laughs) Evil little creatures. I was driving across a bridge one night in southwest Florida, the Fort Myers Bridge, and I I had my Camaro, and I was uh, 17 years old. My hair was on fire. And I had, I had my window down. It was a warm summer night. And I'm driving up over the bridge. And I get right to the apex of the bridge. And I look over. And my window's down. But I got this, 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 this palmetto bug about the size of a, the moon. was landed. He was right there on my arm. And I looked at him. And I, I'm supposed to drive a car over a bridge. So here it is. And I'm looking. I'm, you know, I'm, and so I, you know, I flick him off. But I almost went over. You know. So they're evil creatures, every one of them. But Jesus is light. I love what it says in Daniel. He says, he reveals, God, he reveals the deep and the secret things. He knows what's in the darkness. Aren't you glad he knows? And light dwells with him. He is the author of it. He is light himself. I love that about Jesus. There's no fear. And I love what it says in 1 Timothy. It says, he alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see. We've certainly seen Jesus. I mean, we haven't seen Jesus, but his disciples saw him physically. But God says, no one has seen God and lived, meaning his spirit. God is a spirit. No one has seen God in his essence as spirit and lived. Because had we seen God, we would dissolve in his presence, unapproachable light. That's why we need a new body to withstand the holiness, the brightness, the illumination, the light of God. I am so looking for that, aren't you? I mean, doesn't that just take your breath away to think that there is a being so pure, so holy, so loving, it's just radiating such an intensity that in our flesh we would disintegrate in front of him. And he's like, I gotta give you a new body so I can have fellowship with you. I mean, that will spark your worship life. That'll spark your worship of God, just dwelling on that, unapproachable light. That's who he is. And James tells us that there is no variation or shadow of turning within him. He's amazing. He's wonderful. I want you to look at verse 6. From verse 6 all the way to verse 2, verse um, 1, I want you to underline a few things. Notice in verse 6, right in the beginning, just underline three words, if we say... And then in verse 7, 
if we walk. In verse 8, if we say. Verse 9, if we confess. Verse 10, if we say. And then finally in chapter 2, in verse 1, and if anyone sins, if anyone sins, notice this, write these down, underline these, because they're setting up, these are conditional phrases. The idea is if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet we do something else, if we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. And see, these are decisions that we have to make. These are conditions, and, we, and, 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 and uh, these conditions require a decision. If we say this and do this, but what happens if we walk in this way? There's decisions that each of us have to make. We make them every day. What are we going to wear? What are we going to? Where are we going to live? Where are we going to go to school? We have to make decisions about who we are going to be and who are we going to obey. Are we going to obey God or are we going to obey our flesh and our own desires, our feelings? Are you going to obey your feelings? It's a very dangerous road if you're a person given to following your feelings. There's a gentleman by the name of Ralph Waldo Emerson. I wouldn't recommend any of his writings to you because he didn't believe in God at all. He didn't believe in Jesus. But he has a famous quote that I think is very true. And let me read it to you. He says, Sow a thought, and you reap an action. Sow an act, and you reap a habit. Sow a habit, and you reap a character. Sow a character, and you reap a destiny. The idea behind all this, of course, is every decision that we make, if we say we do this and we do something else, if we walk and we do something else, these are decisions we have to make. We have to make decisions. And these decisions determine our final outcome. I'm so glad that the decision for Christ has been made. That's the main decision you need to make today. And if you haven't made that decision for Christ, please do it today. Do not leave this church without giving your heart completely and unreservedly over to him. Because eternal darkness and hell is real. And an eternity with God is very, very real. It is all real, folks. So important that we believe in Christ. He loves you. He created all things for you to enjoy. Enjoy the things that he's created. But we have, there's parameters, there's boundaries in our enjoyment of those things that he's created. And so we have to make decisions. We have to be very careful. Let's go to verse 6. It says, If we say that we have fellowship him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You know, John is... Uh, Speaking of something here that the Gnostics, if you remember, one of the reasons John wrote this letter was to refute some of the beliefs of the Gnostics. And the Gnostics believed in an idea called antinomianism. That's a very fancy word, but simply what it means this is a view that Christians are released by grace from the obligation of from observing the moral law. In other words, it's, you know, I can just do what I want then. Does that sound like Christianity? That's what antinomianism is. The Spirit is everything. So since I'm flesh and the Spirit of God dwells in me, then the Spirit is all that matters. So whatever I do in the flesh doesn't really matter. Yes, it does. Yes, it does mean something. We have to crucify that old nature and put on Christ and walk in newness of life. To walk in the light as he is in the light. There are many Christians today that say they are right with God and walking in the light, but they have grown rather complacent maybe lazy, and they've allowed things into their life that they shouldn't. And whenever anyone brings it to their attention, they use the grace card. 
Have you ever used the grace card? Oh, but God's a God of grace, bro. Yeah, he is a God of grace. And because you're using grace as a, uh, an excuse for what you're doing, you don't understand grace. Because had you understood grace, you would be falling on your face and thanking him for allowing your next breath. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful about God? He's very concerned about sin. He's so much concerned that he gave his own life for you. I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.